Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Those of you who were here last week, you remember what the point was that we saw? Remember to remember. That's right, that's right. It's the important, uh, we must remember the importance of being reminded. Yeah. I don't know about y'all. No, I'm just playing. Um, but what we did see is from, from Jesus and from Peter, from Paul, all of them, giving us this obvious truth that we need to be constantly renewed, constantly be reminded, stirring up of our minds in the Word of God. And so, again, that means privately, publicly, and uh, that's one of the main reasons why we gather here is to be reminded of God's Word. So uh, I love it. I love you guys. It's awesome. I love to be in God's Word. I did um, get some, somebody, I think, Sunday say, uh, you didn't send out anything on, on Wednesday. And I said... Yes, I did not. <laughs> no, I, I intentionally did not send it out. Even if you think I didn't, I, I intentionally did not send it out. Yeah, you can doubt me all you want. Well, I, um, I, I love this section of Scripture because there is a lot of discussion, a lot of debate. There's a lot of things that people have opinions of, thoughts of. There's messages, teachings, there's doctrines, there's there are all kinds of different things around uh, this scripture that we're going to be looking at or that we have been looking at and kind of going into tonight a little bit more. Um, but again, as we look back to what we talked about, this importance of daily being in the Word of God, daily studying the Word of God itself, and then also the importance of being here, gathering faithfully for that reminding. Um, there's no doubt there's, there's people in here that know the Word of God, you teach the Word of God, you study the Word of God, all those things. But again, if, if we have no greater example, we see in the first church there in the book of Acts that they were daily together. And we saw that they were in fellowship, they were in breaking of bread, and they were in the doctrine of the apostles. And so um, it's a great reminder for us that if they were so close to Jesus in the resurrection and all these things, then for us, 2,000 years removed from that word being directly delivered to them, to now, it's important for us, especially as we're getting closer to the Lord's return, which we'll talk about tonight, um, we should be faithfully gathering, faithfully remembering and being reminded of the things that God has written in his word. Because, again, we are prone to forget. All of us are prone to forget. As I said last week, shared some statistics. Most people forgot 90% of the information that we talked about last Wednesday night by tonight. Can I get an amen? Amen. Shame on you. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, but again, that's the case. 50% was lost within 24 hours. And then by the time that a week came, 70% was gone. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, an hour. And then by the time that 24 hours came, 70% was gone. And then by the time this week is up, uh, we came, 90% of the information was gone. Now, here's the only exception. And this is, what, this is what I think was important for some of you. And this is a good teaching lesson for us. You didn't forget that information because you talked about it, y'all went to dinner, or some, something sparked your, your thought, and it was talked about. Hey, we got to remember, he's going to say something next week. He's, he's going to talk about us forgetting or, or something like that. 
And that's the importance. Again, that underscores the importance of us being reminded, of us being renewed in the spirit of our mind, of us daily being renewed in the Word of God because, again, we're prone to forget. Um, so tonight, we're going to move forward. We're going to look what God has and, um, again, get into a very interesting um, couple scriptures. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for allowing us to be here. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for what we've already experienced, the opportunity to give you praise through song. Lord, we thank you for the special. Thank you for the opportunity to give. And all these things are so important, so special to us as your people. Um, just the, this family gathering that we have tonight, we're, we're thankful for it. And we're thankful for now as we open up your word, for, to have our minds um, and our hearts maybe pricked and spurred, but also um, renewed and reminded of things. Um, help us tonight to get what you want. Uh, help us not to uh, only be looking uh, what we can gather, but also what we can use for your kingdom and for your glory. Um, and I pray that you would just be glorified in this time, Lord. Use me as a vessel, again, that you would be the one that gets all the honor from it. Uh, we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, Paul, uh, Paul reminding the Thessalonian believers, remember they were in this great uh, time of persecution, this great time of tribulation, so much so that they thought that the day of the Lord had come upon them. And that's why Paul was trying to calm their fears. Look, don't be so soon shaken. Don't, don't be so afraid. You know, I've already told you these things. I've told you what it's going to look like in the end times. And that's kind of where we're getting tonight. Um, again, all of these things about the day of the Lord had brought them to a place of fear. Now, we have to remember for us as Christians, it shouldn't bring us to a place of fear. God's return is a joyous time for us. It should be a time uh, of excitement for us, but also it should be a very sobering reminder of some things. And again, we'll look at that a little bit tonight. But Paul was telling them a couple things have to happen before this day of the Lord actually comes into being. The first thing we've already talked about and seen is this great apostasy. Apostasy, this falling away of the faith. Uh, and, and I would say this, it's not so much as um, true faith, because if somebody is, is truly saved, they don't lose, you can't lose your salvation, you don't fall away from the faith. But it's those, uh, as the Bible talks about in different ways, they've tasted of the knowledge, they have, uh, they, they've, they've been acquainted with the things of God, they, they look like, they've gone through the motions, they've shown up at church, they, they go to Sunday school, maybe they do all these things, maybe even they teach and they preach, but they have not truly surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ for salvation, which again, can be a very scary thing because if we're looking at um, brother Jeffrey was talking about it Sunday night uh, and, and I mentioned it last week as well Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus is talking about Antichrist coming and false teachers coming and what Jesus tells those false teachers is this he says many will say unto me that day Lord Lord haven't we prophesied in thy name and in thy name done many wonderful works cast out demons we've done all these things in your name we were in the church we were doing all these, this stuff and he says and I will tell them depart from me you that work iniquity, I never knew you. And so, if that's the reality, we have to understand that there are people that show up for church that claim to be Christians that truly aren't Christians. There, there, I believe that there are multitudes of people that show up inside of church buildings that, that maybe have their name on church rolls, that all these things are true, but they don't have their names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life because they have not truly surrendered their life making Jesus their Lord and Savior. Not just their Savior, but also their Lord. Amen. And so, uh, again, it's a very sobering reminder that, that, that Paul says, look, what it's going to look like is there's going to be a departure from the faith. And this is what I've tried to explain to us, too, is that the departure of the faith doesn't necessarily mean that people just stop showing up at church or people stop 
living out their faith in public, but I believe the departure of the faith is what we see in, in, in a widespread capacity today. And that is a lot of religious activities under the, under the, 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 um, the umbrella of Christianity that aren't Christianity at all. People, people saying that they're churches, people calling themselves churches, people doing church-type things and religious things, singing songs and teaching, having talks and all this kind of stuff. But it, I, I really don't believe that they're part of the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying all the, I'm just saying this category of, uh, of people. And so when we look at the world today, some people say, well, we've got megachurches out there, though. How is there this great apostasy that you're talking about when there's the huge churches and I think that's part of the proof of the great apostasy. Right. You have a lot of these, these, these organizations, if you will, that are full of people that are lost. They claim to be Christian. And the unfortunate thing is this. I believe there's also people like that in churches like ours that preach the word of God, that claim that Jesus and teach that Jesus is the only way, that, that teach and preach the salvation that Jesus delivered unto his apostles, which was you can't be my disciple unless you forsake everything you have and follow me. I believe there's still people that, that come to our church and are not saved. But again, this uh, great apostasy, I believe, has blown up in our generation. I think that we look at the state of Christianity today and, and look at America, where America was once this this great beacon of missionary work, not only here on our soil, but as, as we begin to, to, to advance in technology and other things, we began to send missionaries everywhere, all over the world. Churches starting everywhere, all, every corner of the country. I think that we have, have become part of the great apostasy as well. But the second thing that he said had to happen was the man of sin, this man of lawlessness, had to be uh, revealed. And again, this is kind of where we left off uh, in verse 5. But this man who is completely embodying the enemy of God. And so when we think about the enemy of God, we think about Satan, we understand that he's subtle, he's deceptive, um, he knows what he's doing, he can transform, as we saw last week, transform himself into an angel of light. His ministers, his servants can do the same exact thing. And so this is the, the character that we're talking about, character that we're dealing with. In, in this end time. So Paul is reminding his readers of something that he's already told them about. And he goes on in verse 6 to say this. If you have your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Again, it's going to be on the screen. Verse 6, it says, And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So again, Paul clarifying, now you know what's keeping him. Who, keeping who? This man of lawlessness from being revealed. Now you know, he says. So, what do they know? How, what, what, is, what, what has he talked about already that they know now that has to happen for this man, this Antichrist, who it is, to be revealed in his time? Well, he just got done talking about apostasy. He just got done talking about, at first, this is what's got to happen. This, this lawless, this apostate condition has to come to fruition first. And then he says in verse 7, because the mystery of iniquity, the secret of iniquity, of, of lawlessness, is already working. This, 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 this culmination of a lawless society, of a, of a departure of the true faith, it's already at work. And, and, and by the time that 
the Lord returns, it's going to be great. There's going to be a great departing of the faith. Again, pointing back to Jesus' teaching himself. Matthew chapter 24. But he goes on and says this, Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now again, this is a verse that's caused great controversy, and it still causes it because of the usage in the different interpretations in the different text and uh, by different people's doctrinal positions. But again, Paul's already said that mystery, the mystery of iniquity is already working. The mystery of lawless, lawlessness is already at work. There's no, no law. There's no law of God that governs society. Again, we look at today, and, and it's so interesting at, at what the lost world says is right and wrong. And I, I've always asked this question, where do they get that from? Right? Have you ever thought about that before? Where does the lost world get what right and wrong is from? Why, why are corporations so upset about, like, Ponzi schemes and stuff? You know, what, what's wrong with that? Why, why do they get so upset when they find out that one of their employees have, has been embezzling money? Why? What's the problem with that? Where do they get that that is wrong from? They get that from the moral law of God, from the Word of God that says, thou shalt not steal, you know. That's where they get it from, but... What the world is trying to do, and again, I mentioned this Sunday, when we look at this, this, um, this, this massacre, this, this murder, this uh, insane event that happened in Santa Fe, Texas, the world wants to point and, and find all of these things, and they're screaming, this is wrong, this is wrong. Why is it wrong? Well, they, they want to have regard for life when it comes to a 17-year-old student running into a school and shooting them up. They don't want to have regard for life when a baby is being formed in its mother's womb. That's right, it's life. Amen. God has given it. And so when we say this is, this is murder, well, so is this. But the world, doesn't, they don't want to acknowledge and operate off the law of God. They want to say, well, we will, we will say this is wrong because it suits us. And that's the state of mankind. That's the state of the lost, period. It's only wrong if it's wrong to me. That's rel uh, relative truth. That's, I, I think this is wrong because this is, this is bad to go in there and shoot, so we need to get rid of guns. No, what we need to do is we need to have parents that are teaching their kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We, we need to have schools that have the Lord at the center of, of the, their teaching. Again, we need to have uh, teachers that really care about the, the, the person that they're teaching and not just passing their teacher evaluations or, or making sure their students pass their tests. And there's a, there's, a, there's a major flaw in society. Amen. But again, I think that's what we look at today is it's just this state of lawlessness, not of uh, laws of the land, but lawlessness concerning the law of God. So Paul is, is telling them these, these things are going to happen and this is what's going to happen. So evidently, this state of complete state of lawlessness is being held back. Now the phrase, until he be taken out of the way, I, I believe in studying this, because when, when the Bible says he that now letteth is, is, is opposite of what the, the Greek word actually is. When you say let, that, that means that you are allowing, right? But the, the Greek word is actually restraining, similar to withholding in just a couple of words before that. So um, there is this withholding, there is this restraining, 
And if you look at the words, it says, until he be taken out of the way. Now, that structure in the Greek is found all throughout Scripture. And the way that the King James Version actually interpreted it is a little bit different than what all of the rest of that Greek structure was interpreted in the New Testament. And so when it is, is compared to all of the other Greek structures in the New Testament, it actually means until out of the midst he comes into being or he comes into the forefront. So think about this now. He said there's got to be this great falling away. And then the man of sin, the man of perdition, the man of lawlessness will be revealed, will be brought out of this, this concealed state and be revealed. And it goes on in verse 7. It says that. It says because you have to understand this mystery, this secret, this crazy lawless conditions already at work. But there's something restraining from this man of iniquity being brought into the midst. And when that happens, there will already be this full lawlessness and wickedness that comes from the midst with this man of lawlessness. Remember, Paul had just reminded them of this great falling away. It's happening, it's going to get worse, and it's going to be great right before the Lord comes, right before the Antichrist is revealed. This departure of the faith and the increase of this wickedness leads to the Antichrist unveiling. Therefore... These preceding conditions are set for this revelation, for this revealing of the Antichrist. And then, verse 8, he says, that's when the, that wicked will be revealed. That's when the Antichrist will be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy the, with the brightness of his coming. Even him, the same person whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and in them that perish. So those that are lost, they are going to be deceived even more by his power of deception and all the signs and lying wonders that he has because here's the reason why they'll believe this. Because when they have the opportunity, they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So that's why when we say that when the Antichrist is revealed and we start moving into this tribulation period, those who have said no to Jesus Christ, those who have rejected the truth of the gospel, those who have said, look, I think I'll, I'll do it later, they've heard the gospel, they've rejected it, we say they're probably not going to have the opportunity to be saved. Because God is going to allow this, this wicked, this man of lawlessness, this man of iniquity to be brought from the midst and to, to come with all signs and powers and, and, and all deceivableness from the enemy himself, from Satan himself, the master deceiver. The Antichrist is going to have this type of power, the type of power that can deceive somebody who had never been deceived before, somebody who had never sinned before. This, this subtlety in somebody who has never known what it is to sin, Adam and Eve. That's the power that the Antichrist is going to come with. And some people say, well, you'll be able to know them. No, no, no. We talked about that last time. The last time, those of us who are Christians who know the law of God, who, who understand what righteousness is according to God, will be able to see this isn't right. This is wrong. But the world, to the world, to the lost, to those that perish, it's going to be something of magnificence. I mean, it, it's going to be celebrated. It's going to be something they embrace. And so that, that's kind of scary. It's absolutely scary for the lost. Very scary for the lost. 
they're going to be taken captive. And they're going to be taken even more so captive by this character, the Antichrist. Notice again what's going to be used. All the power of Satan, signs, right? That's what uh, Jesus said, an evil generation seeks a sign. And he said, I'm not going to give you any other sign than the sign of Jonah, you know. Um, that's, that's what, honestly, I've talked to people and, and, and been witnessing to them and trying to give them the gospel. And, and that's kind of what they're waiting for. Man. If, if, if something happened in the sky right now, I might believe, you know, or, or, or if this, cha- like, if I had a sign, I would believe. The, the lost, that, that's, that's kind of what many of them are waiting on. If I could just have something that would, would revolutionize my, my perception on God and Jesus and the church and salvation, if I had a sign, and so this Antichrist, this man of lawlessness, is going to come with the power of Satan, and he's going to have all these signs, and he's going to do all these wonders, and it's going to be very deceiving for those that are perishing. The sad thing is, is they're already condemned. They're already lost in their, in their sins. The Bible says again in John chapter 3 that they have condemnation already on their heads. And they're going to further be deceived because they rejected the truth. And because they rejected the truth, they didn't have the love of the truth, they weren't saved. So what we realize in, in 2018, as Paul was writing this in, um, you know, before 100 AD, I mean, this is almost 2,000 years later, what we realize is, is, as I've said many times, we're knocking on the door. The, 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 the Antichrist is, I believe, standing at the door. It's, it's, we are, if, if it's not already been revealed who he is, we are right on the cusp of it. I believe we are right there. Deceptions are getting greater. The lost opportunity to get saved, it's getting harder. I mean, look at our world today. Everybody's already, for the most part, in pursuit of this American dream, right? And Christians ourselves, we struggle with serving the world and serving God or serving ourselves and serving God. We, we struggle with pursuing comfort versus pursuing Christ. We, we are the ones that are like that too. And the world who has no other God except for themselves or, or some other gods they made for themselves, money or, or, or fame or whatever, the world is in pursuit of these things as well. And the more that we have, the more things that are out there, the greater the deception is that you don't need God. And all that has to happen is a few Christians pull back in their devotion, a few professing believers not be all in, for the lost to say, I'm really no different than my neighbor who says they're a Christian. And so the enemy... Is, is already using all of these tactics and all these ways to keep the lost staying lost. And so when you and I in 2018 walk up to somebody and try to share the gospel with them, how many people are eager to receive that gospel and be saved? Not very many. Almost, I, I will say, when Jesus said that many are on the path of destruction and few are on the path uh, that lead to life everlasting, it's been so true in the past almost 20 years of ministry. It's been so interesting to see how less and less interested people are in the gospel and the things of God. 
Uh, I, I talked to Brother James, and he, he's, he's excited to share the testimonies that God gives him in sharing the gospel. And, um, you know, er, almost every time that, that we have this discussion, he, he talks about even getting all the way and, and asking these people, isn't this what you want? Don't you want to do this? It's very, very few that have said, absolutely, I want that. No matter how much passion, no much, how, many, how, many, how much tears, how, many, how much brokenness, no matter how much, the state of, of the lost, I believe, is getting even more darker. The Bible says it's going to be even harder. The time of salvation, when the Antichrist come, I believe it will have come and gone for those that are in darkness now, those that are lost, because here's the deal. He's going to have all the power of, of Satan, the Antichrist is. He's going to be, have all the deception that Satan has to bring. He's going to have all these things. And then look in verse 11. And because of this, the Bible says, God is going to cause a strong delusion that they would believe a lie. So God is going to allow these things to happen. He's going to also facilitate this, this great delusion, this great veil and then listen to the the sad reality of verse 12 that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness what a sad set of scriptures but paul's telling these thessalonians again resonating two thousand years later to us and saying look this is what it's going to be there's going to be this great falling away, this great apostasy, great departure. And again, as I said, I believe we're there. And then this, this man of lawlessness is going to be brought out from the midst. And he's going to have all this power to deceive. He's going to have all this, this, these things at his fingertips to keep the lost lost, to deceive them. And not only that, God is going to allow this veil to be put over the eyes of those who are lost. They're going to believe this lie. And they're going to be eternally damned because they wanted that unrighteousness they didn't want the truth they reject jesus reject his sacrifice reject the resurrection reject him being the only re only way rejecting him completely and they would say i want to live in this sin. i want to live my life i want to live in unrighteousness and i don't want to live according to that Again, what a sad reality that you and I are encroaching on. Like we are, I believe we are inching up on, on this time. And it reminds me that time is so short. And as Jesus would warn that the love of many would wax cold, I believe that's where we are. People aren't wanting the truth. More and more they don't want the truth. And, and, and it's not that they don't hear the truth, it's that they don't want the truth, they don't receive the truth. I believe deception has engulfed our world. Think about it. A nation that was founded upon Christian principles, that, that one of the main reasons why the, the pilgrims and, and, and Puritans came to this place was to be able to exercise the freedom of religion, to be able to worship God, the one true God. And we know that there were deists and there were other people involved and in, in, in stuff like that that maybe weren't truly Christians and, and followers of Jesus Christ. But our nation started like that. And then now we are in 2018 where it appears, maybe not now in 2018, but definitely in recent history where there seems to be more sympathy 
and more, more uh, regard and more respect for the Muslim religion than for Christianity. Because you, you, you can't, do, like, show me TV that, where they make uh, being a Muslim a buffoon. Or show me something where they kind of poke fun at the Christian or the, the, the Bible or the... So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? I mean, the lawlessness is abounding, the... the um, the Antichrist, I believe, is at the door, if not already, you know, out, out there. Um, what, what do we do? I think point number one, we stay alert and we stay seeking. Stay seeking what? I think stay seeking the Lord and stay seeking the lost. There's a lot of things that we can pursue in this life, and there's a lot of things that we get chasing rabbit trails in, in, in pursuing but we need to make sure that our job as followers of Jesus Christ is to actually follow Jesus Christ, right? That's what we're saying. I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus is the only way. I'm following Jesus. But if we're claiming that, let's actually do that. Let's turn to his word. Let's follow his ways and let's do things his way. Because we have to know there's no other hope for us as we approach this end time than staying close to the Lord staying close to his word, staying close to each other as the church. We have to be sober. We have to be vigilant. The Bible says because our adversary, the devil, is walking about seeking whom he may devour, and he's about to come with a full vengeance in this world. Again, I believe the time of the Antichrist is at the door. So what do we do? Again, stay alert, stay seeking. What does that look like as we're seeking the Lord and seeking the lost? I believe it looks like us urgently getting the only hope for salvation out to the lost with more passion. The gospel of Jesus Christ to those in need, to those who are blinded, to those who are already deceived, to those who are about to get a wave of deception by this antichrist and a strong delusion by the Lord. Those people who are blind already in their sin, already in unrighteousness, they need us to be seeking them, to give them the only way. Because we are the only vehicle. Did you hear that? We are the only vehicle of the gospel. So those people who are deceived, those people, as Brother Jeffrey was talking about Sunday night, um, it, with, whether it be Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, those people that are, that are going out and, and, and they are dedicated, so dedicated, as, as some of you heard, that, that he would run them off the property, they'd drive over the hill and still get out and, and continue that work. That's how devoted they are to getting these lies out, to getting this deception out. That's how, that's how uh, pursuing the enemy is uh, of keeping the lost in darkness and blinded. That's how devoted the enemy is the question is this, how devoted are we to seeking out the lost as the only vehicle of the gospel to make sure that they have a chance, at least a chance, to hear the truth, to hear the gospel? 
We've got to go forth with passion. It's got to be something where we realize these people are lost. They may be our neighbors. They may be in this community. They may be the people that we work with. They're lost. They're deceived. And as, as the Antichrist comes into the scene, they will be deceived. They will buy this lie. They will buy into all of the deceivableness because his power is greater than their power to overcome it unless they have the power of the Holy Spirit inside them. That's what the Bible says. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Our only hope against the deception of, of the enemy is the Holy Spirit, is the help from God. This, this, this delusion, this strong, uh, the, the Bible says if it were possible that the, the very elect would be deceived. We've got to stay alert. We've got to stay seeking the Lord and the law. So I want to ask you this question tonight. Please hear it and answer it. Does it break your heart that there are people, or even around this church, down this street, who have never heard of Jesus, let alone hear what he's done to save their soul? I, I can't tell you how many people's doors that I've knocked that have either, either never heard of Jesus or have heard of Jesus but never heard what he did for them to save their soul. Or have heard of Jesus, but have an absolute skewed understanding of who he is and what he's done. It's heartbreaking. So the question is this, does it break your heart? That there are people even that live off of this street, this main street, never heard of Jesus. I remember, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how many years ago it's been now. I don't know, Brother Ryan, if you were with me. I don't know who was with me. Maybe Brother Jeffrey. We were down at this housing edition. I've shared this story before. Uh, this housing edition right at the end of W.J. Bowes Road and in Old Decatur, the one that's on, on the left-hand side that uh, runs down Old Decatur. And uh, we were at the, the corner house, I remember it, and we walked up, and a 16-year-old boy answered the door. And I began talking to him, and, and as I was talking to him, I realized he had no idea. And so I, I had to just stop, and, and I asked him the question, have you ever heard of, of who Jesus is? And the 16-year-old boy who lives right down the street from our church and another Baptist church and another Baptist church, it was the first time someone had come to his house and told him of a person named Jesus. He said, no, I've never heard of Jesus. And I was blown away. I mean, I, was like, I, I had asked him like two or three times, I said, You've never heard of Jesus? No. I said, you've never been to a church? No, but none of your friends have ever said the name Jesus. You know, because I'm thinking, you've heard Jesus. You've heard it in a curse word, you know. And he just kept saying, I, I don't even, I don't know who you're talking about. I said, you have no idea. When I say Jesus, I, I was just blown away. And I walked away heartbroken. There's no way that we can catch up. People are moving into this community. People are moving out of this community. They're building houses. There's no way that, that the few people that are, that are helping us get the gospel out, there's no way we can reach everybody. That's why we always encourage, hey, help us get the gospel out. It's got to break our heart that there's people around our church that have never heard of the name Jesus. Let me ask you this. Does it break your heart that some of them would accept him? But all they need is someone to share him 
with them. And no one has yet. Think about that. There are people that are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We may be the ones that introduce them if we are seeking the lost, if we're going out. It would be someone that cares enough, someone is aware enough that there's only one way, someone who has found that way and someone who cares enough about other people to search them out and give them that one way. The question tonight is this, are you that person that cares enough because you've, you've found the only way? In the last days, we need to stay alert. We need to stay seeking the Lord and seeking the lost. We need to be passionate about it and we need to be urgent about it because the time is chomping up. The time is getting closer and closer. People are getting more and more deceived. There's more and more deception. There's colder and colder hearts out there. It's getting worse. It's getting darker. People's, people's eyes are getting blinder. It, it, we need to stay seeking the lost. But secondly and lastly as a close is this, we need to stand firm. Verse 13, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. See, the Thessalonians in this early church age were part of the first fruits of salvation in the church age. God had a plan from all of creation uh, again, that's, I've shared this before. I think it's such an amazing thing that God had this design for you and I to be living in 2018 at the very end, I believe, of time. God had chosen these to be the first fruits in the church age. Why? Because I think it's churches like the Thessalonian church that serve as an example throughout all the church age, 2,000 years later, even to churches like Trinity Baptist Temple, of what it looks like. To walk by faith and to live by faith. Verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold, to the, uh, hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by, by word or our epistle. Stand firm in the truth. Hold on to these teachings. Deceptions are all around. But the truth remains and cling to it. That's what he's telling them. Verse 16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which had loved us and hath given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work and word. So their charge then is our charge now. We've been given this hope. We've been given this comfort Every single one of us in here that are in this room that know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, know that heaven's going to be our home. We have no worry about the deception. We have no worry about eternal damnation. We have no worries about any of those things. He told the Thessalonians to comfort each other with, with the grace that they've experienced and the comfort they have, all this truth that they have comfort. So you and I need to comfort each other with this, as well as staying steadfast and unmovable in the way and in the work of God. That's what it's about. Stand fast. Be steadfast. Unmovable. There is one truth. There is one work. Eternal work. Be committed to him, he says. Stand fast on him. Stand firm on him. But the truth is this. You have to know the truth to be able to stand firm in it. 
So the question is this, are you in it? Do you know it? Are you standing fast in it? You have to be faithful to comfort others. Are you unwavering in your faithfulness? And you have to remain for it to be effective. Are you reliable? I've shared with our leadership that the leader of a group should never have to look back or look around to see if the other leaders are behind or around. Because the nature of leadership, they should just be able to know that they're there. Why? Because they're leaders and they're reliable. They know that they're around helping. They're around leading. They're helping lead the way. But that should be the reality for everyone in the body of Christ. We should be reliable to be workers in the kingdom of God. Stand fast. Stand fast in the word and the work. Let's be that church. Let's be those people. Man, the time's drawing near, and some people can say, man, that's, that's a scary thing to think about, that we're that close, and you're talking about the Antichrist coming, and, 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 and it's a scary thing because I've got lost people. But again, it should prompt our hearts in a different way. We should comfort each other. We should encourage each other. But we should also uh, urge each other. Hey, let's get the gospel out there. Let's tell people who are lost before it's too late. So tonight, I want to encourage you, if you'll stand. I want to pray and uh, we'll open up the altar maybe tonight you just you would say God I want to have that urgency I want to be seeking you I want to be seeking the lost I want to give you everything I have to the finish line it's coming antichrist is coming the deception's coming we've got to be passionate about getting the truth out let's pray father thank you for this time again thank you for your word and we pray that you would help us to take these points tonight and apply them in our lives Lord that we would uh, stay alert that we would stay seeking you, seeking the lost, urgently getting the gospel out. Lord, we realize that we are the vehicle, the only vehicle that is going to bring the hope of eternity to those that are in darkness. Lord, we, we've been given the light uh, for the light to shine in the, those who are in darkness. And so, Lord, help us be faithful to do that. Lord, help us also to stand firm, stand fast in your word and be faithful in the work as well. I pray that you just move now. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name.